Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, good evening, everyone, and thanks for joining us. It's March the 7th, 2018, and I'd like to tell you that I'm seeing glimpse of spring in Canada, but it's snow today, and we haven't had sun for a few days, so I'm just going to remain the eternal optimist and hope that spring is in the air. So this is our first episode for March of 2018. And I'm just delighted to tell you about our monthly sponsor. Our sponsor for this month is Foundation for Small Voices. And it's quite a compelling nonprofit organization. And it was founded, co-founded, I should say, by Stephanie Martini and composer Jim Papoulis. And their inspiration for establishing Foundation for Small Voices stemmed from their belief in music's ability to empower children's lives, reaching across cultural boundaries. They recognize the unifying force of music as a tool of communication and expression that everyone can use. Stephanie created programs that continue to bring mentoring, songwriting, and performance opportunities to children worldwide. So I'd like to dedicate this first episode of the Changebook Radio Show to Stephanie Martini in her honor as she passed away in 2007. And as the month goes on, I will let you know what wonderful things that Jim and Sophia Papoulis are continuing to do with the Foundation for Small Voices. So without further ado, let me tell you about my guest tonight, fellow co-author Christine Suva from book number seven and I have been awaiting this interview with her for months now our schedules have not been able to line up and we finally were able to look ahead and book tonight her chapter is called mastering your mindset for success but let me tell you about Christine she has spent her lifetime exploring Exploring her insatiable passion for personal and professional development. She's a certified professional life and career coach, speaker, trainer, consultant, and two-time Amazon number one international best-selling author, and she has been interviewed on several TV and radio programs. She is the founder and president of Thrive Coach Services, And she's deeply committed to helping others find passion, purpose, and success in their lives. So, Chris, welcome to the Change Book Radio Show. 
Thank you so much, Deb. I am so glad we finally got this on the books. It's on the books. We are live. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, my friend. I first I Thank have to you. say I was I was in your city last weekend and I I embraced all that it offered and I had a wonderful deep dish Chicago pie as they would call it and next time I'm hoping to have that with you and Eden Adele and Susan Sharp and we'll have a a change girls weekend sound good oh I love it that sounds awesome now the only question that's repetitive in my interview every week is always the one I start off with so I will ask you this when you first Mm -hmm. were introduced to Jim Britt and Jim Lutz and the change book series what drew you to join our global community and write a chapter and be such a great, valuable addition? Great question. Um, just the whole messaging from Jim and Jim about really wanting to create this community of change makers and people that wanted to transform lives that were on a similar path and that whole idea around mentoring us. It was huge. And just being part of a community I have found, especially when you're on this path, is being part of a community of like-minded people is incredibly important. It's what keeps us motivated. It keeps us growing. It keeps us engaged. When we have those tough days as building businesses have, it reminds you of why you're doing what you're doing. So I love that idea. And I do too. And and I reread your chapter today and and we were chatting before we went live. One of the elements in your chapter that I'm really drawn to, and I think it's such a vital exercise, is you talk about your golden thread. And basically, Mm -hmm. you've done your golden thread or your timeline, if you will, a workflow of how it's led you to become the founder and president of Thrive Coaching. Would you just give the listeners a little overview of your golden thread? Sure, sure. Well, for me, I happen to be one of those people that knew my sense of purpose from very early on. I knew that I wanted to help people lead happier, healthier, more fulfilling lives. And it literally has guided every part of my education, my training, the types of books I read, the aisles in the bookstore that I would hang out in, the, the workshops that I sought out, the conferences I sought out, all of the professional and personal development things that I've so was passionate about, it guided all of those things. And so I started out thinking that I was going to go into counseling, not really doing my research as a high school kid and not realizing that even though I followed my sister to college, when I got there, I realized their psych department was behavioral psychology, which is not counseling psychology. And so I started taking all these other classes that I was interested in, and they were all around personal development and health and psychology until uh, sometime in my second year of college, my advisor said, you know, unless you're pre-med or nursing, we really don't have anything here for you. And clearly you're interested in prevention and more health-oriented and psychology things. You might want to consider transferring down the road three miles because Illinois State has a great program in health education. So I did that, loved it, immediately felt at home, and then continued my education in my graduate program in wellness and picked up the counseling psychology in grad school. 
And so I started my career in the wellness profession. So there again, that helping people lead happier, healthier, more fulfilling lives. And when it came to the career side of things, um, I would be asking things like, how is the stress at work affecting your health? How are you taking care of yourself? And, and all of those wellness-oriented types of questions. I would teach workshops. I worked with the psych department. I worked with the dietary department and the fitness department. And I loved it. Um, but then I went through a process of uh, merger early in my career. They were merging a lot of the hospitals in the Chicago area, and they were going to be downsizing. And I had just done this huge presentation to administration saying, look, if you're going to do wellness, this is how you really need to set it up to be successful. Coming out of graduate school, it was a little bit like the coaching field is now. It was, it was the first graduate program in wellness, and we had the Andrew Wiles and the big names in the wellness field coming and talking to us. And so you get out of grad school and you're ready to save the world, right? Well, when we got out, we realized how far behind the rest of the world was. Healthcare in particular, you're talking about an industry that had made their money for centuries by filling hospital beds. And here you come in as a wellness person and say, no, you don't want to fill hospital beds. You want to keep people out of the hospital. So more that prevention line. And they just hadn't really caught up yet. So what they asked me to do was go to the corporate office and do the same wellness programming that I had been doing for one hospital for all eight hospitals in the system. So I checked in with myself and I decided I would rather reinvent and make a change. So I took the severance package and the outplacement program and decided I wanted to get back to teaching. And so I taught kids for a while and then taught college for a while after I got married and then was recruited by the very outplacement firm that had taken me through the outplacement process. And they said, we want you to come do this for us. So it really was that deep dive into the career side of the professional development and career transition. And so in that atmosphere, I would ask people that holistic question around how are you taking care of yourself while you're in this period of reinvention and transition? How's the communication at home? How are you managing that as you go through this process? So it was really still that holistic approach for me. And then I spent a number of years at home with my kids and would do career coaching on the side. And then my husband lost his job in the start of the whole um, economic crash. And so it was a little bit early for us. We knew I wanted to go back to work, but I just started having these ideas rushing through me where it would wake me up at three o'clock in the morning with just this flood of ideas. And it was almost like, these years of personal and professional development that I had just immersed myself in were all kind of bubbling to the surface. And it became very evident to me that I wanted to go back and get my coach certification and start my own business from home. So that's what I did. And I realized when I started that, that I wanted to combine my wellness background with the career coaching background and really make that a holistic process for people. And as many of us do when we start a business, it's a, it's a huge learning curve. I'm sure you can relate to that too, where I thought I was going to be doing one thing, and then as I got into it, it evolved over time. 
So one of the things that really evolved for me is my messaging and my branding. And I realized that my niche really was around that whole mastering your mindset. Because whether I was working in wellness or I was working on the career development or career transition side, it was typically someone's mindset that would get in their way. It was how they were thinking of themselves, how they were thinking of others, how they thought about their career and their place in life. And if I could help them with their mindset and help them learn to shift that so it's working for them rather than against them, they would have much better success and be able to sustain that. So it really kind of evolved over time, but it's something that some people learn what their sense of purpose is early on in life, and other people don't find out till later. Sometimes I work with people and they're still trying to figure that out. But typically, um, I find that people's mindset is really the thing that can get them stuck. So I love helping them work through that. Well, and I I love the authenticity and, more importantly, the transparency that you've brought to finding and being the president of your company because you can sit with any one of your clients, like I'm sure you have. I know you've helped thousands of people, and you've been that person. You've You've lost a relationship. You've lost a job. You talk about this in your in your chapter, and I, I joke with my own children. It's it's the tenacity and resilience and grit that we demonstrate, which is the behavior um, that we need to model for leadership. And I always call myself mm-hmm. the queen of getting back up, but I think I got to pass the tiara to you now. <laughs> well, we can share it. How about that? <laughs> You know, and it's interesting because our our community is so, we are so relatable in the change book series because we all are change makers. We love shaking things up and shifting a paradigm. So what you talk Mm -hmm. about is mindset. It really can be, you know, I read last week in a book, the term emotional debt to anyone moving forth and really trying to do any type of transition. So just such a powerful message. I wanted to just mm-hmm. capitalize on another point that you made. You said as a, as a coach, how you evolved. And I love that because I think sometimes people misconstrue that even though we're coaches, that doesn't mean that our lifelong learning or our personal or professional development stops. Every coach has oh, a coach. No. We all liaise with each other. We help each other. And I just think that's such a defining moment when when we can let them know that just because we're a coach, we still have emotions and feelings. And it leads me into talking about your chapter, because I know your chapter is near and dear to your heart, um, because you wrote it about your mom, Marilyn. And I know you just recently lost her, and, and I'm sending you a big hug. And I wanted to know oh, first before you. I even ask you a question is how's how's your dad John doing? How is my dad doing? Yeah. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet to ask that. You know, it's it's a process. He's a retired Methodist minister. And so he's got huge therapy skills, counseling skills. He's dealt with death and dying with families for forty years. But it's very different when it's your own spouse. 
And honestly, that was really the hardest thing for us as a family is watching him losing his best friend and his soulmate. They were together 64 years. And um, he's a very strong, very calm presence. And just the tears would come. And I was so glad that I could be there for him and that we could be there for each other. And we had many, many, many long talks. And we know that it's a healing process and it's a journey and it's going to take a while and there's going to be good days and bad days. And sometimes something's going to trigger you and you're not expecting it. Um, But I think he's got a really healthy outlook. Um, He knows that it had just gotten to be too much and she was tired. She fought hard. She was very resilient and came back multiple times and, it just, we had multiple strokes here at the end, and she had Alzheimer's that she was suffering from for the last couple of years as well, and it, her body was just tired, and she was ready. So um, the one blessing in all of that, which anyone that's dealing with major health issues, particularly Alzheimer's, it's a really painful disease for the family as well as the individual, but really painful for the family because you're kind of losing your, your family member little by little right in front of your eyes. And they'll vary from person to person. Now, my mom never had what they call um, down, um, sundowners where they sometimes can get kind of moody and angry and things towards nighttime. I don't know if they just kind of get overstimulated, but she never really got that. She she still had um, quite a bit of her personality there. My mom was a very positive, loving, appreciative person. And so she literally was like kissing the nurse's hands and, and telling them, she loved them and thank you so much. And she was always so appreciative of everything they did for her and would give them compliments and cheer them up sometimes. And that's her personality. So we didn't really lose that for the most part, um, except for the times when she had some type of an episode and then maybe for a month or so she would just kind of go blank And then, you know, we'd have the scary feelings of like, oh, my gosh, is this it? Is she ever going to come back again? Um, So that was kind of a blessing for us that um, all the way, almost till the end, um, her personality was still there. She would still say those things you most want to hear from your mom or your spouse. She still told us she loved us all the time. When my dad walked in the room, her face just lit up. That was her soulmate that was her prince in shining armor and every time he walked in all the way through till the end until she was unresponsive um he brought great comfort to her just in his presence um so it was honestly it was it sounds kind of strange but i i i really felt that it was this spiritual walk with this man that had walked that walk with hundreds of families over the years and to be able to be there for him and support him at the most difficult time in his life. I I know she's my mom, but it was an honor for me because, um, you know, it's sometimes people don't think that the helpers need help that someone that's always been there for other people needs help because they're usually so strong. And 
when they let you in and let you do that for them, it, it really, it's a blessing. And so I learned so much by just allowing myself to follow my heart through this process and do what I was taught to do growing up at their knee is to build a life of no regrets. So when I would be faced with a dilemma of, do I take on this big new project or this big new initiative, or do I make sure that I'm available and able to be there for them when they need me most, that was an easy decision. Not necessarily always an easy business decision, but an easy personal life decision for me. And I've always kind of let that guide me. Um, I, my mom is absolutely my biggest inspiration. My father as well. They are living, breathing examples of what living a life of meaning and purpose in alignment with your values and your shifting priorities over your lifetime. I've seen that. I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. And it's allowed me to do the same. And so this process that we've recently gone through, um, once again, there were times as I was building my business and I found my message and my business and my brand, and I realized that it really was at the core of what I want most for people is to help them do that for themselves, to help them find their sense of purpose, know what their gifts are, know the legacy that they want to create with their life, and then build the confidence and the courage to go out there and do that. And a lot of that process involves helping them learn to tell their own story. So whether I'm working with clients that are in career transition or I'm working with people that are just feeling unfulfilled and they've kind of feeling numb inside and they need to find that meaning again, a lot of times they've disconnected from their own story. It feels disjointed to them. They don't know how to make it all make sense in their own mind. And so helping them with their mindset, helping them with their story, helping them get reengaged and grounded in those divinely given gifts and talents that they have, connecting them back to their passion, that can help them in their decision-making moving forward. And so um, as I was learning about that and as I was recognizing that the message really was around the core of how I grew up, and my mom's story is a great example, um, she started failing. She started having these memory issues that were then diagnosed as Alzheimer's, and then she had a big stroke and had to be hospitalized. And I had, a, I had speaking engagements going on. I had clients that I was working with. And I'm sure you know this too, Deb, when you, when you work with people, and, and the work that you do requires you to be fully present with another human being. That's a gift. It's a gift not just to that other person, but to you. It allows you to rise up above whatever you're going through in your own life, because we're just normal people. We have, we have problems too. And it allows you to get away from that for a while and to focus on someone else fully with all of your attention, your thoughts, your energy directed at another person is really, truly a gift. And it really helped me um, when I was with clients. And then when I was speaking, I can remember I tell her story a lot when I would do speaking engagements as well. And I thought, oh, my goodness, after her big stroke, I thought, stroke, I thought oh, how am I going to get through this? 
But then I realized that even though she was completely unresponsive and we didn't know if she was going to make it, she was still teaching me. She was teaching me the power of having lived your life in that way and the comfort that that brings, knowing that there's nothing left unsaid, there's nothing left undone. She lived her life. She played full out. She used her gifts, and she did it in alignment for her own values. And she reinvented that and how she played into that over the course of her lifetime to honor the shifting priority. So she checked in with herself many, many times over the years. It wasn't just a one-and-done thing. And I think that's a really important thing that I see with clients is so often people will get into a field and think, well, okay, that's it. I'm in it. That's it. And they never check back to say, does this still fit? Does the way I am showing up in the world and the things that I'm doing and the people that I'm working with, is that what I'm meant to keep doing now? And so that constant checking back in with themselves becomes an opportunity to shift and make a change and choose consciously going forward. Um, So things that happened here, well, right before Christmas, my mom had had a stroke in November She was hospitalized again two weeks later. And then in early December, the doctors wanted to put her on hospice. And, of course, you know, my dad had worked with people around that. I worked in the hospital but wasn't really involved with that. I was more on the wellness side of things. So this was the first time really for all of us to really think about, wow, we've got to really prepare ourselves. And so it was a really difficult time. She then had another stroke like a week later. The week before Christmas, I went in to visit her, and all of a sudden, she was completely unresponsive again. And this time, it just felt like, wow, I don't know if she's going to make it till Christmas. And a beautiful thing happened. Um, When we first moved her into this nursing home in April of 2016, one of her nurses, well, a lot of her nurses were from the Philippines, but one of her main nurses was from the Philippines. And my dad just happened to have this conversation with her that, oh, you know, Marilyn had this wonderfully talented student back in high school years ago, Raul Mitra, and he's from the Philippines, and he's wonderful. Well, come to find out through that conversation that he had moved back to the Philippines. We'd lost touch with him after he went to Northwestern um, for college. And she had said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you know him. He's a famous composer and musical director in the Philippines. So after that conversation, I thought, well, what the heck? I'm going to go on Facebook, and I'm going to Google him, and I'm going to see if I can reach out to him and connect with him. Well, sure enough, I did. So last year, I could sit and have a conversation through instant messaging with him and include my mom in this conversation as we'd sit out on this swing that they had there at the nursing home, and they could converse back and forth. And he had said, well, I would love to come see her. I'd love to come back and visit. And you think to yourself, oh, that would be great. What a sweet thought, you know, but you don't really know that somebody's going to actually do that. Well, here we are the week before Christmas. My mom is completely unresponsive. We're all concerned, feeling like she may not make it to Christmas. The Monday before Christmas, I get a text message from him saying, I'm here and I want to come see her. Well, here I just spent the last three days with her not responding at all. And I thought, oh, my goodness, he's all the way here from the Philippines. I hope she 
at least going to respond to him. And I go in and I walk in the room and she's in the activity room and she says, oh, there's my daughter. And she's got a smile on her face. She looks bright. She knew who I was. She was talking and smiling. We spent the day together. I took her down to the salon, got a haircut, took her next door to the little ice cream shop and got her some ice cream, gave her a manicure. And as I was sitting there holding her hands, as manicures kind of became our thing as she's been in the nursing home, which is kind of an interesting thing because she never really cared being a pianist before. She could never grow her nails. (laughs) And it kind of became her special thing. Sometimes we would talk. Sometimes we just sit silently together. But here I was, after just thinking she was gone, talking to her about the fact that this beloved student of hers, 30 years later, was here from the Philippines to come see her. And she cried. And I took a picture of her looking at me. And that is now my screensaver on my phone that I get to see every day because she was looking right into my eyes and smiling. And that was the last opportunity that I had to do that. But what happened was when he came, she had been running a fever the night before. So I was a little concerned again because I thought, oh, boy, you know, maybe she's not going to be up for this. They checked her fever right before we brought her downstairs when he had arrived and there was no fever. I brought her down. She was able to connect with him. She was able to sit. I positioned her. He wanted to sing to her and and play the piano for her. And he played a song from um, South Pacific that she had directed at him in 30 years earlier. And it was Some Enchanted Evening. And he sang that to her. And immediately, as soon as he started to sing, she cried. She knew that voice. She connected with him through music. And I am a firm believer that was a God thing. In my book, that was a God thing. Here was a woman that was basically almost gone. She was brought back enough to connect with the student once more. And what that did for my dad and for me, my sister unfortunately couldn't be there, so thankfully I I was able to record it but was to really know that the legacy she created with her life will live on, not just through her children, not just through her grandchildren, but through these thousands of children that are now grown in their lives. And there was no better example of that than this student that is this wonderful composer and music director in the Philippines that took the time to come see this teacher that loved him so much all those years ago. And honestly, that I couldn't have asked for a better Christmas present. And we lost her from that day on. She became unresponsive again. And we, she passed away <clears throat> January 12th with us surrounding, surrounding her and basically thankfully peacefully slept away. Um, But again, as hard as that was, that was a lesson. It was still teaching me the power of living your life in that way. And it just makes me want to keep going, helping other people do the same. Oh, my gosh. I've just, I've got so many things I want to say to you. I don't even know where to start. I think the first thing I want to say is thank you for sharing your heart 
the video that you spoke of and the photos, I, I remember watching the video after you posted it and I private messaged you because I thought it was yeah. such a beautiful moment. I think it was a divine moment. And mm-hmm. I, I love that your dad, caregiver, loving husband of so many years, was able to also see that. And you know that my background is medical case management and I work with neurotrauma. I worked on a memory care floor for years. So you just eloquently described a beautiful story from your heart. And I remember, I remember being with a daughter whose mom was starting to decline. And I also volunteer at hospice so I'm just getting goosebumps now because this this interview and everything and all about it is just so connected tonight I remember one of the daughters looking at the physician and she she said you know this is really hard and he grabbed her hand and he looked at her in the eye and he said the best medicine for humans is love And then the the daughter looked at the doctor and she said, but what if it doesn't work? And he smiled and he squeezed her hand and he said, then increase the dose. Oh, I love that. I love that. And that was one of the, the doctors that worked on the memory care floor that I worked with. And I love technology for the sense that there were people much like your sister who couldn't always be there. And mm-hmm. I, I wanted to shift the paradigm because like you, I'm a change maker and I would use my yeah. phone and I would capture a moment and I would text it to them, whether it was a photo of a smile or a laugh, or I get a video of them singing because like you said, life still has to go on. And for you mm-hmm. to, to stop in that moment and still coach and still speak and have that bit of an emotional reprieve to a, from your mom and just to give Christine what Christine needed to refill her cup. But yeah. being able to be present, I think sometimes as coaches and speakers and authors, we can get to a level of hypervigilance, I like to call it, because we are so there and so present and it's not that we don't matter, but we are just giving of ourselves in that moment. So I just, Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that, but you know, my love for work-life balance. And I have to tell you, I think Marilyn from age 22, when, when she had that moment with your grandmother, I think Mm -hmm. Marilyn had work-life balance from that time on and Marilyn was a leader and Marilyn was successful because to me, leadership is not about being in the limelight and having all the awards and all the bells and all the whistles. To me, a leader can be Marilyn who lived her life, mm-hmm. loved her family, was well-educated, the passion she had for music, but you so beautifully framed it. Her legacy is tenfold because she led so many others that to me yeah. is a leader. And I think mm, she's in, she has instilled that in you, Christine, because 
you know, you didn't just choose the word thrive because you thought it sounded pretty and looked good on paper and it made your logo look great. To thrive is to grow and (laughs) to develop. And that's who you are. And when I think of all the synonyms of thrive, flourishing, prosper, to bloom, to blossom, to succeed, that is everything that you encompass and what you just talked about. And then on a bigger level, look who our sponsor is for this month, the Foundation for Small Voices. Yes, I was going to say something about that. I thought, how perfect is that? So to let truly, how perfect is that? To let Jim and Sophia Papoulis, you know, listen to this tomorrow when I'm chatting with them, and to hear about you, your family, the musical greatness of your mom, and and what she chose to give up, but really she didn't give up because she just took it and gave it to so many students. I just know that that is really going to warm their heart because as the month goes on, I will talk about them and, and just what they're bringing to the world at large, not just through their, their nonprofit. So as you were sharing that beautiful story about your mom and just all of those last moments that you had, I'm thinking, okay, this is a divine moment that we're sharing here. Yes. Well, and I think just with your background, um, and for those that are, you know, all of us go through losing our parents, all of us go through losing loved ones, and especially for the people that work with those families and work with those patients, <clears throat> oh my goodness, they are angels on earth. They are just the care that we got both through the nursing home staff as well as the hospice staff is priceless, just absolutely priceless. And I, and I know not every organization is created equal and you need to do your research and choose a good one, which thankfully we did. Um, but that care and that love and that empathy and the ability to give someone that's in that position a sense of self and a sense of respect and a sense of love and caring um that i just can't say enough i just cannot say enough just both the support for her and for us um just really brought it full circle and we are just so grateful for all of it just so grateful for it and i'm so grateful to my mom and my dad for instilling those values and those those priorities and to know that when you give yourself permission to build your life based on what's most important to you, not what society tells you should, you should want, not what everyone around you tells you you should want, but truly knowing yourself well enough to know what your passions are, to know the legacy you want to build, but to also know what your non-negotiables are. And to be willing to stand for those. Um, That was something that was modeled for me. And it's something that I think a lot of people lose because they get caught up in the golden handcuffs. They get caught up in the titles and the money and all of those things that can go along with that. Those things can go away. But when you define yourself as larger than any of those things, that your sense of purpose is not tied to a particular job or title or company, 
It's not tied to any of those external things. That's not where your true, real divine value is. Then you're free to reinvent. And then that fear of change isn't nearly as strong because you know that you take those gifts and that wisdom and that expertise with you as you move through life. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree with you more. Well, I know you heard my intro and one of the co-founders of the Foundation for Small Voices, Stephanie Martini, passed away in... Oh, I know. I was so sorry to hear that. In 2007. So I bet you Mm -hmm. that she's probably sitting with Marilyn and they're probably having a good old (laughs) chat up there and laughing and saying, hey, we lined this up. I bet you that's (laughs) happening. So I just, I I, I bet you're right. I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind. I'm, I'm completely covered in goosebumps right now. I, I want to thank you for, oh, thank you. for sharing your heart with us on the Change Book Radio Show. Um, you know my, you. my love and respect for you as a co-author in the Change Book series and, and all that you contribute. And I look forward to our Change Book Girls Weekend in the next month in Chicago. And I just, I wish you all the best. And I, I do thank believe you. that you will continue to thrive and carry on your mom's legacy. So thanks so much for joining me tonight. Oh, thank you so much, Deb. And I'll look forward to it too. I love you and I will see you soon. See you soon, my friend. Take care. Just a beautiful interview with Christine Suba from book seven of the change book series and just the synergy of having the foundation for small voices being our sponsor for the month. And I just wanted to take a couple of minutes to give you a bit more information on Jim Papoulis because Jim's music has been featured at the Beijing Olympics, the September 11th anniversary memorial concerts throughout the world, the 2008 presidential inauguration the Papal visit to Yankee Stadium, and the World Cup in, in South Africa. Jim is also honored that his composition, Give Us Hope, which has been sung all over the globe annually on September 11th, has now been adopted by the 9-11 Museum as an ever-present fixture and can be heard as visitors exit the last room of the museum. So just an incredible, talented, man that I'm thrilled to have got to know because of Mike Greenlee and Jim and Sophia. I thank you for sponsoring the Change Book Radio Show this month, and I look forward to being able to let the world know each week over the course of March all the wonderful things that you're both doing around the world, not only in your professional life, but what you're doing with your not-for-profit organization. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And again, to Christine Suva, thank you for sharing your heart with us tonight. And I want to close tonight and dedicate this episode once again to the co-founder, Stephanie Martini, and also to Christine Suva's mom, Marilyn Gillum. Thank you for tuning in to the Change Book Radio Show. This is Deb Crow, and I'll be back with you next week with a new guest and thank you so much for your time take care 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.